Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert is Hannah Kane, CEO of ALOM. And in this episode, we're going to recap what happened in the supply chain in 2021. Thank you for being here today, Hannah. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. What was the biggest surprise for you in 2021? I've been talking about our supply chains have become too complex and the technology is not developing at the same speed as the supply chains. And the complexity of the supply chains is outpacing the ability of technology to solve the problems. I think what happened in 2021 was really that we saw that. And it's funny because I have been talking about it for at least five years, maybe a decade. And I was surprised to see the the big impact it had. So when I look at some of the surveys that have been done, it turns out that people that have very strong visibility tools fared much better through the supply chain crisis. However, it's clear that just having visibility is not enough. And we've got all these disjointed parts of the supply chain. And what really surprised me was how much that surfaced in so short time. It was like one thing broke and the dominoes just fell all over. It was a topic I have been concerned about and talked about for a long time. And I was surprised to see how fast it happened. You've been talking about it, but it surprised you because it ended up being faster, but also was it worse than you expected? Yeah, it was more pervasive. And when you do supply chain planning, you cannot plan for everything, but you can plan for maybe 95%, 98%, and then you fix the remaining on the fly. And what happened here was there was so much that broke at the same time that all of a sudden uh, you had to spend so much time manually fixing and intervening in things that it became insurmountable. And that then again impacted everything else. It sounds like even though this was a biggest surprise and maybe one of the worst things that could happen, it also seems like it might be one of the best things that happened because it really brought everything bubbling to the surface and made people start paying more attention to it. That is correct. Now, it's not an easy fix, right? Because you have the many tiers in the supply chain. You've got a lot of different other considerations and the software to manage all of this complexity are just not available yet. But I'm an optimist, so I think they will come. But it's not that there's no short-term fixes. And I think over the year, I've been having the pleasure of speaking to many audiences and everybody wants to know when is this over? When are we going back to normal? And the sad message, even from an optimist, Jennifer, the sad message is it's not anytime soon. 
Earlier this year, you used this description to describe the supply chain. You said whack-a-mole supply chain. Do you still think that we're in a whack-a-mole supply chain situation? Oh, yeah, we absolutely are. And I think that everybody's just scrambling. We see a lot of air freight. We see certainly freight costs being high. We are seeing still a lot of geopolitics being played. We are seeing all the same things as in the beginning of the year. So, yeah, we are, we are seeing the same things. But what has happened is many corporations and companies have compensated by placing more orders further out. So now everybody is beefing up their inventory. My heart goes out to the small and mid-sized manufacturers in the U.S. because you're building up your inventory. So what's happening to these companies is you've got to place the orders ahead of time because otherwise you risk running out of components and your production lines will go down. You've got to order bigger quantities because many of the manufacturers overseas are now requiring higher minimum order quantities. And then the product is sitting longer on the water in transit before it hits your factory. And then you need to get all the components in before you can do your finished goods and hopefully cover the money. And so the cash outlay for these companies is just tremendous. And that's not just for small and mid-sized companies, it's also for larger corporations, but they are just a little bit better able to weather that type of crisis. I'm very concerned for the small and mid-sized manufacturers and for the cash burden it places on them. The other side is once you start placing orders out for 6 or 12 or 18 months, the question is, when you get the product, do you actually want it? Or is it just a prior generation and now you're sitting with a new generation of products where that component is no longer needed? Or there's a new iteration or there was some issue found with it or whatever. And I think what we are going to see in 2022 is financial statements where we're starting to write off inventory that companies placed long time ago and now it's no longer relevant. And so there's a lot of risk built into these type of scenarios. And I think that we ought to see more near sourcing if people really thought through the risk. Hannah, when you look at 2021, what challenges in the supply chain were fixable? First of all, we have talked for decades about our crumbling infrastructure in the U.S. It's been talked about and nothing has been done. And we should have fixed this long time ago. We have had a 30% population growth over the last three decades. We've also got a growth in prosperity. And so it goes without saying we need to build out our infrastructure to match that. So that was a totally preventable thing. We've also learned that both the technology, but also the collaboration between different infrastructure partners related to our ports and the entire transportation system is entirely disjointed. And that could have been fixed long time ago. And I think there's some leadership missing among some of the key players in making that happen. Then we, of course, have known forever that we have a trucker crisis and everybody has had labor crisis, but with us having a trucking crisis where we know that we have so many more truckers retiring than new truckers coming in, 
The trucking crisis really got bad. And I think it's worth for everybody to think about how we make trucking as a profession more attractive. So those are just some of the things that could have been done that were not done. If you had to pick one skill that you feel that supply chain professionals really used this year, what skill would that be? I'd say supply chain professionals are very resourceful. And this was a year where you needed to be resourceful. And you need to pull out different tools all the time, but also pull on all your contact and your knowledge. So I think resourcefulness is the number one. Do you think when it comes to the resourcefulness, is that generated from previous experience? Or do you think that is a quality that supply chain professionals have? I think many supply chain professionals are just uh, inherently very resourceful and like the problem solving. And then, of course, you do pull on your experience, of course, but also on your contacts and your willingness to tackle obstacles as they come. So I think a lot of different other tools supply chain professionals had to pull on this year. But compared to other years, I'd say resourcefulness uh, definitely sticks out. Now, I know that you had said earlier in the podcast that technology is definitely lagging the complexity of the industry, but of the technology tools that we have today, were any of them particularly useful? All the visibility tools, definitely visibility is sticking out. Anybody who had very strong visibility and data analytics tools did pretty well during this supply chain crisis. And I can see that also at Elon, where we have over the years invested heavily in business intelligence and visibility tools, etc. And without that, definitely we would not have been able to achieve the results that we have achieved for our customers. So I can see it just from our internal perspective, but I also see it with customers. The more visibility they have, the better they are able to react to things. Now, as I've said many times, this was really nice throughout the year, but what we really need to get to is where we know in advance when something becomes troubling. And right now we can see that it has become troubling, but we would really like to know a little bit in advance. We would like to understand what's going on. We would like to do more predictive and analytics and understand things like don't go through this harbor, go another route, etc., because that allows us to actually have the agility we really need to do. Lead time has, of course, been super fluctuating. If I go to a supplier today in China and I say I want to order uh, 100,000 of part X, when am I going to get it? First, the factory needs to get the raw materials in. Then they need to manufacture it. Then it needs to get to a harbor. Then it needs to get onto uh, the container ship. Then the container ship needs to get to my harbor. Then it needs to be offloaded to the port and it needs to get to my facility. What is the time for this to happen? If we had an answer to that, we would solve a lot of problems. So if you go back two years we thought that we had a pretty accurate answer for that. And all the systems we have out there have an answer where they say, oh, the lead time is four and a half months, uh, so many days. And, and you put it in and that was the gospel. And now you, you are in a situation where it really fluctuates almost by day. How long is that lead time actually? And that's part of what creates all that uncertainty. So... 
you have said before that you feel that the supply chain is ever-changing. It is very dynamic. I'm curious, though, if you were to look at what has happened over, let's say, the past 12 months, and you had to pick one thing that was transformational, what would that be? I believe it's looking at procurement more strategically. In supply chain, procurement used to be a smaller part of the pie and maybe not get the attention it ought to have. We have millions of people in procurement who have been taught that you mainly need to look at price and go for the lowest cost. And I think that everybody now understands that that's not a good parameter only to look at price. You need to look at landed cost and you need to build in the risk factor. Um, So is that being done on a day-to-day basis? I'll tell you, I think that it's getting done more, but I don't think that it's as prevalent as we're going to see in the future. I think uh, we have uh, a number of people in procurement who have not grown up in an environment where that was a significant factor to consider. They have been rewarded on getting the lowest cost, and you get it out of Malaysia or Vietnam or China for a dollar, and then you go around the corner and you find somebody who is really close by, who is mainly using local raw materials, but they say it's $4. You go, $4, you know, I, I cannot afford that. But then you've got to think about how do you now factor in both the risk, the freight, the air freight, which has become a, both air and the ocean freight have become so much more expensive. And so if you start factoring in the other supply chain costs, such as governance, making sure that the product is produced in a manner that you and your brand feel good about. There's been no child labor used for the production. There's no pollution, sustainability issues, those type of things. If you start factoring in those type of things, maybe the $4 is a deal or maybe not. So that entire thinking needs to shift. And I can see how there's a lot of inertia going in the procurement organizations. What do you wish people outside the supply chain industry knew about supply chain? Well, I think a lot of times people think logistics when they say supply chain, and logistics is obviously a big part of the supply chain, but supply chain is so much more than logistics. And then I think that one of the interesting things happening this year is almost none of the media covered supply chain prior to uh, the pandemic. And this year, everybody has started uh, supply chain coverage. And what we're seeing is journalists coming in who have very little supply chain background and all of a sudden are getting this uh, crash course drinking from the fire hose in the in supply chain. And I see them being very focused on the ships outside the harbor, the port of the port of Long Beach, etc. And it's very tangible, etc. But supply chain is so much more, and uh, understanding the complexity and why the, there's been such a breakdown in the supply chains this year, I think it requires a little bit deeper understanding of trade policies the macroeconomic trends going and, of course, understanding of the physicality as well as the digital supply chain and the financial supply chain. So there's a lot of complexity 
that I feel uh, could add to a more nuanced uh, discussion. I predict it's going to come, right? Because, you know, the story about the ships outside the port uh, is going to be uh, a little boring after a while. So we're probably going to see a little bit more nuanced coverage down the road. So what keeps you up at night? Are you a sound sleeper? Are you a person who has bouts of insomnia because you worry? Uh, As you mentioned, I'm an optimist, right? So uh, I believe that uh, people are going to figure this out. And uh, I do believe long term that uh, technology is going to help us a lot. I also do believe that uh, some of the problems that I just described are absolutely uh, solvable. And so we are going to find a way to solve it. And there are going to be new ways of looking at things. So, yeah, I believe that nobody should lose too much sleep over it. But it's been a lot of work this year. So uh, I think everybody in supply chain have had long hours and uh, many challenges. So uh, if something is keeping supply chain professionals up these days, I think it's just uh, just work at overcoming the day-to-day obstacles to make sure that uh, everything comes together. In the end, supply chain, as I always say, is like cooking a very beautiful, complicated, many-course meal and seeing all of it coming together in the most beautiful, harmonic serving of fantastic-tasting food. And, you know, it all needs to come together at the right time. And it's the same with supply chain. You know, here at the holidays, where we are all planning holiday meals and things like that, that's that's a good way to think about supply chain. 2021 was uh, definitely an exciting year to be in supply chain. And I predict that uh, 2022 is bringing lots of excitement as well. My main concern, I've got several concerns, but one of them is, of course, the burnout among the supply chain professionals. And I think that we are going to see a lot of challenges, both the first half and the second half of 2022, but definitely mostly the first half of 2022. So it sounds like we need to do another episode in early 2022 and talk about those challenges. We absolutely could do that because the supply chain crisis is not over. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to alom.com. That's A-L-O-M dot com.